so great that we live in a free country that we can come in this place and worship our God together, isn't it? So a couple months ago, in the heat of the summer, my family was in Chicago. If you don't know me, my, that was my wife, just up here, Heather, and we've got two kids, Bennett, who's nine, and Jules, who is six, going on 16. And we were in Chicago, Bennett and I were at a Cubs game in the bleachers, the best place to sit at Wrigley, having a great day. The girls were downtown shopping. And we decided after the game we were going to meet at a restaurant to eat something. So this restaurant happened to be north of Wrigley Field, and the, the girls, they took a taxi or Ubered up there, and, uh, and us boys, we were kind of stuck in traffic a little bit with our vehicle, but we finally made it to the restaurant. The girls had already gotten a table inside. And if you know Chicago, you know that parking is always a challenge, right? And so we circled the block once. I didn't see anything, any place to park. Circled the block again, and then I spotted this strip mall, but a block north of the restaurant. And there was tons of parking at this strip mall. Most of the businesses, they had closed for the day. And so I thought, I'll just pull in there. That'd be perfect. So as I was pulling in, I saw a sign. And then two signs and three signs, and it says, parking for this parking lot is for customers of these shops only. Violators will be towed. I thought, eh, no big deal. We're only going to be here an hour. No problem. Just pull in. And I was, as I was pulling to my spot, my nine-year-old son in the back seat said, hey, Dad, did you see that sign? I said, yeah, no big deal. Don't worry about it. They don't, they don't mean it. <laughs> They're... They're, they're all closed. What are they going to do? So we walk down to the restaurant. We have a nice dinner. Halfway through the dinner, my, my son says something about, oh, yeah, I wonder if we're going to get towed. And my wife, of course, perks up. What are you talking about? I said, ah, don't worry about it. They'll be fine. No problem. Of course, we walk back to the parking lot after dinner, the four of us, turn the corner, and sure enough, right where we had parked the SUV, is nothing. It was gone. So it was either stolen or towed. I don't know which one I was hoping for. Probably stolen. But it was towed. And so in that moment uh, of shame and bewilderment, I got out my phone, walked over to the sign, and started punching in the number for the towing company to find out what, did I, what I needed to do to rescue my vehicle. At that moment, this other vehicle, this kind of old jalopy, pulled into the lot, windows down, smoke coming out of it, and this guy is like, hey, hey, what's going on? I said, hey, what's up? He said, hey, you have a black SUV? I said, yeah. He said, it was towed five minutes ago. I said, thanks, okay, it's not stolen. It was towed. Shoot. (laughs) He said, "I, I know where the place is. I can give you a ride. So, you know, I found myself... Seconds later, jumping into this car, this stranger's car. And Jules at this point, she was freaking out. Her vehicle was gone. She's in a strange city. And now dad's getting in a car with a total stranger. And they're off. And I wave goodbye to my family. Don't know if I'll ever see them again. <laughs> and we head over about five-minute drive. And I, and I learned from this guy. He had just moved from Cleveland a few months prior. And he... <laughs> He knew all about this parking lot. He said, those guys make more money towing vehicles than, than they do leasing out the building. He said, it's a scam. They've got a spotter there, and as soon as they see you, go somewhere else. 
you're towed right away. And uh, he said, I know firsthand because when I moved here, I got towed. So I feel your pain. I said, thanks, brother. He dropped me off. I offered to pay him. And he said, no, just, just be blessed, man. And I walked into this towing company, you know, Chicago, bulletproof glass, caged windows, bars in the windows, and the friendliest of people inside to help you. And I waited my turn in line and sheepishly told him my license plate number and my vehicle. And sure enough, it was there. $230, please. How would you like to pay that? And I handed over my credit card and watched my money burn before my eyes, thinking all the time, man, what could that money have done if I had just been responsible? I could actually read a sign. I could actually listen to my son. And the whole way back to pick up my family, I was just angry, angry at myself. I picked them up, and they piled inside. They were grateful that I was alive, I think. <laughs> and I got in the vehicle, and I apologized to all of them. You know what? They forgave me immediately. Immediately they forgave me. But I'm still driving, two-and-a-half-hour drive back to Peoria, and the whole way back, I'm angry. I'm angry at myself. I'm calling myself names that I would never call anyone else. Like, Chris, how could you be so stupid? How could you have done this? Angry at myself. See, here's the point. Everyone had given me grace. Everyone. The guy that picked me up, my wife, my children, most importantly, my God. Everyone had given me grace except for one person, myself. I was the only one not giving me grace in that situation. And we're in the middle of this series, Jesus Outside the Lines, and we're talking about how as as followers of Christ, we draw these lines around what it means to be a Christian. These self-imposed restrictions that we've drawn around Jesus and the church and Christians, when in reality, Jesus is so far beyond our self-imposed lines so far beyond where our thinking is. And he's saying to us, he's trying to rattle our cages and change our perspectives and say, no, that's not who I am. That's not the box I fit in. I don't fit in any box. I'm the God of the universe. And I want to talk about this thing called grace today. I'm going to warn you right now. We're going to make some changes in our lives today. See, I'm not interested in just coming here at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning and just playing church. I'm not interested in just showing up. And I don't think you are either, otherwise you wouldn't be here. I'm interested in making some changes and moving from where I am now to where Jesus wants me to be. To be transformed in more and more and more and more into his image. And sometimes that's painful. And sometimes that takes hard work and being intentional. But that's what he's called us to do, to be more and more like Christ. So I want you and I want me to be open to making some changes in our hearts and our lives today. Are you okay with that? Yeah? Okay. Good, because you don't really have a choice unless you get up and leave now. We're going to shift some things around in our hearts today. I just want us to be open to the Holy Spirit speaking as only he can individually to each of us in our lives. You see, in order to pick up grace, we have to release what we're holding on to. 
We have to drop what's in our hands in order to pick up this grace thing that God's got for us. We need to set something down in our lives in order to pick it up. And today we're going to trade in shame for grace. We're going to cash in the guilt that we've been carrying around for grace. We're going to give up anger and envy and replace it with with grace. We're going to root out some bitterness today. We're going to plant grace instead. And at the end of this message today, you're going to get up from your chairs from where you're sitting right now, and you're going to set something down in your life, maybe more than one thing, and you're going to pick up some grace. That's my prayer for you. Are you with me? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we're so thankful and grateful to be in this place today as a body of believers, as people that are pursuing you. God, you pursued us first. Would you just open our eyes today? Would you just cause the chains to break off our hands and our wrists today? Whatever is shackling us down, whatever we're holding on to, that we could open our grip and with open palms receive the grace that you designed for us. God, would you give us an understanding of what this thing called grace is, that it would change us, that we would be different people when we walk out of here today than when we walked in. We all pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. So as Christians, I believe, I think you'd agree with this as well, we should be the least offended people on the planet. Would you agree with me? We have the love of God inside of us. We should be the least offended people in the world. Why then do we look around at people who claim to be Christ followers, you and me, we can look in the mirror and say this, and see so many examples of people that are so offended. We tell one person in one moment that Jesus loves you, and then the very next moment, five minutes later, we're flipping somebody off in traffic. Now, I know you've never done that, right? We're going to get real today. We say that we have the love of God inside of us. And then we come home at night and we cuss out our our husband or our wife or a friend. But I know you guys have never done that. We say that we love people and then we run into that one certain person in public in the grocery store that's offended us. And we catch their eye momentarily and then we quickly turn and walk slash run the other way as fast as we can. But again, I know none of you have done that. We preach this gospel of love in one breath, and in the very next breath we say, well, that certain people group, we should just drop an atomic bomb on them. We just wipe them out. Or that certain race, we should just give them all guns and let them shoot each other. See, we claim to love but instead we label people that we have never met or never taken the time to understand. People who are incidentally made in the image of God just like you or me. And I think as followers of Christ in the 21st century, we are so short on grace. But listen to me, I, don't, I think that we don't give grace because we haven't fully accepted grace. 
And I believe that we haven't fully accepted grace because we don't fully understand grace. We limit the grace of God. Listen to me. I'm not taking anything away from the cross or what Jesus did. But we limit in our human understanding the grace of God to one moment of salvation when he wants to drown our entire lives in grace. And we've experienced this small, tiny raindrop of grace. And somehow we're satisfied it when God's got this whole ocean of endless grace for us. I think so many Christians have just prayed a prayer and, yes, experienced real and genuine forgiveness and grace. But what they do not realize is that Jesus did not come to give them a life raft. He came to flood you and I with grace. Here and now, in this moment, the middle of October 2016, He came to invade all of us, every part of us, every moment of our lives. He came to give us grace in every moment. See, in in your darkest moments, the moments that you would never share with the person sitting next to you, the moments of shame or guilt or envy or bitterness or anger or lust, those moments that overwhelm you, it's in those moments, those dark shadows, that God brings grace. But you have to choose to walk in it. He's not going to force you. See, light always overcomes the darkness. Grace always overcomes shame or guilt or bitterness or lust or anger. And God wants his grace to completely cover your life in every moment. Not just to be used sporadically like a salt and pepper shaker. He designed his grace to be used fully. And we're so good at giving God bits and pieces of our life. The feel-good moments. But the problem is he wants to invade every single part of us. It's really easy to give God those moments, those feel-good moments. It's easy to lift your hands in church and pray and sing along when there's a corporate gathering like this. It's so much harder to let his grace invade your shame or your guilt, or your anger, or your lust, or your envy. It's so much harder to let his grace invade the shadows of your life. But that's what grace is. His grace is available right here and right now to restore and rebuild and redeem every part of our souls and our lives. See, that situation that you think is impossible, that cannot be restored, that situation, that's when grace kicks in. That's when he wants to restore your life. That dark moment in the past that you can't get over, that shame and that guilt that you think that that you've done something too wrong, that God cannot redeem that, that's when grace kicks in. That's when he's got abundant grace for you. That friendship, that marriage, that relationship that you think can never be rebuilt. His grace is just waiting to rebuild it. Are you with me? So what is grace? What is this thing called grace? Well, we could call it unmerited favor. And we could just high-five and go home and take naps and watch football and eat lunch. And we'd be correct with that definition. But we wouldn't fully understand what grace is and how it's designed to impact our every 
moment. See, this is just me talking here, but I happen to hate the definition of grace as unmerited favor. Don't send me an email or anything, but if it works for you, that's great. It's true. It's a correct statement, but I think we, in the 21st century, the church has used that definition as a pat answer, as a cliche answer, as a Sunday school answer. And it's the correct answer to put down in the test and rubber stamp something, but it doesn't fully explain what this thing called grace is. See, I'm not here to understand the what. I want to understand the why behind grace. I want to know how grace can shift my life and transform me more and more into Jesus Christ. Right here, today, right now, in 2016. But to fully understand grace, we must frame the story properly. If you get anything out of today, get this. If you're writing this down, Galatians 1.15. Before I was even born, God chose me, and he called me by his marvelous grace. Before you were born, when you were, when you were just dirt, when you were nothing, God called you and he chose you out of his marvelous grace. He called you out. He set you apart. He chose you. When you were nothing, when you were just dirt, when you had nothing breathed into you, he chose you. He called you out of his marvelous grace. I hope you get that in a moment. Grace comes from the Greek word charis. I wasn't going to mention this, but before Bennett was born, my wife and I had a miscarriage. And we named our daughter Karis. Grace. I think that's why this message is so special to me and why I never gelled with unmerited favor. Because it's so much deeper than that. See, grace, Karis, means the kindness of God. Charis, grace, it means that God is leaning down towards you. Before you were even born, he called you out of his marvelous charis. It means your God, your creator, freely extended himself down towards you. It's not you leaning back up to him, it's him leaning down to you. His kindness. Grace is the ongoing blessing of God. It's God himself leaning down and being among his people, among his creation. And he's extended his grace on you before you were even born, when you were just dirt. He was leaning towards you. He was freely extending himself upon you. God always has been and always will be near to his people, walking with his people, leaning towards his people, you and me, before you were even born. He called you out of his marvelous grace. A few weeks ago, I was headed out on a work trip. I was gone for a few days, and the night before, I went into my, as I usually do at night, went into my son's room and then my daughter's room and prayed with my kids and just told them, hey, daddy's going to be gone for a few days. And Jules, I mentioned, she's, she's six going on 16, and her, her latest thing to ask me is, hey, dad, when are you taking me to Paris? 
Like, okay, well, maybe one day. We'll see, okay? I've got to save up for that one. But I go into Jules's room, and here's this sweet little six-year-old girl, all snuggled up in pink blankets. And what, does, what, what do I do as a father? I knelt down beside her bed. And I prayed with her. I said, hey, Dad's going to be gone on a trip for a few days. And we had this sweet moment. And then just out of the blue, she said, hey, Dad, do you remember that turtle you gave me like a year ago? Tuver, we called it Tuver. He's up there on the screen, I think. That's Tuver. I gave, I gave that turtle the jewels a year ago. Just out of the blue, she says, Dad, would you bring me another one? Would you bring me another one? And in that moment, I understood what grace was. It's God leaning down towards his children. And he's longing for us to say back to him, God, would you bring me another? Daddy, would you bring me another? See, grace is not a one-time event. It is ongoing. And so, of course, what did I do? I brought her back another one. I brought her back Foxy. Like any daddy would do. Daddy, would you bring me another one? See, your father is leaning down towards you. He always has been. He always will be. Your creator in his kindness is extending himself to be with you. And he is longing. He is listening. He is just waiting for you to say, Daddy, would you bring me another He's saying, yeah, that is all I've ever wanted to do was continually pour my grace out on you. That is grace. My story is the grace of Jesus Christ does not run out. It is not a my story. The creator of the universe, he spoke everything into existence, right? He created everything, and then, then what did he do? Grace. He knelt down. And he got in the dirt. And he formed you before you were even born. Out of the dirt. And then he breathed life into you. He knelt down, extended himself towards you. He breathed grace into you. The love of the Father. That's what he did. And then he placed us in a garden. A garden is where things grow a garden filled with grace, and we walked with him, and we talked with him. We had communion with him. And he had one simple rule for us, just one. And we broke it. We violated it. We, we listened to the wrong voice. And what happened when we listened to the wrong voice? What happened when we broke that rule? We immediately felt shame. And we tried to hide from grace. We went to the shadows. But here's what I love about our God. He was still leaning into us. He was still extending himself into us. And his grace called us out of the shadows and into his marvelous light. 
See, even from the beginning, we were running from grace. Instead of running towards grace, we were running from grace. But thank God, he used that situation and he did it again. He sent Jesus Christ to this earth, his own son, wrapped in flesh. And he sent him to the, to the dirt again to walk among us. Grace. He leaned into us. Grace. And he died a punishment for that one mistake that we had violated him years ago. He died, he died a death that should have been yours. He took a punishment upon himself that should have been mine. And then once again, his spirit was breathed into us. Grace. See, he's never stopped leaning towards you. Are, are you getting this? He's never stopped extending himself. He's never been away from you. He's always been with you. John 1.16 says, From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The word fullness there means superabundance. Grace is not a one-time event. His grace does not run out. Have you, ever, have you ever seen a large waterfall like Niagara Falls? How long do you have to stand there before the water stops? It doesn't stop. The same thing is with grace. He's pouring out grace upon grace upon grace, but you've got to choose to walk in it. You've got to choose to receive it. You've got to say, Daddy, I want another. We are made in the image of the grace giver. You and I should be the biggest extenders of grace to others on this planet. We get offended way too easily instead of giving grace. We're filled with so much judgment instead of grace. See, so there's some junk in your life today. There's some stuff that you're holding on to today. I'm doing the same thing. And we're, we're going to release it. But that junk is preventing you from receiving grace. You're holding on to some things that you need to drop. You may not even realize it. I preached this message yesterday morning for the first time out loud upstairs in our bedroom, just myself. I just preaching to myself. And I got to this moment and I realized I was holding on to something. And I couldn't go any further until I released that. I had to drop it and I had to pick up grace. What are you holding on to today? There's two buckets of stones here, and they're going to be passed around. And I want you to just grab some stones from there, every single person. Just grab some stones. Put them in your hands. See, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was walking this earth, the Pharisees, the religious scholars, they... They caught this woman in the act of adultery. How crazy is that? They caught this woman and they dragged this woman over to Jesus. And they said, teacher, Jesus, the law of Moses says that we need to stone this woman. And they all had stones in their hand. They were ready to go. And Jesus, he didn't say anything. He bent down and he started writing in the dirt. And they kept badgering and badgering him, and they said, what, what do you say? Should we stone her? 
and he kept writing in the dirt. And one by one, they started to leave. He said, you who have no sin, you cast the first stone. And he started writing their sins in the dirt. And they left. And pretty soon it was just Jesus and the woman standing there. And he says, woman, who condemns you? She said, no one. He said, neither do I. Grace. Go and sin no more. Truth. Jesus was the full embodiment of grace and truth. How many times do we pick up stones in our life? Some of us actually hurl them at others. Some of us just constantly have our arms ready and cocked and ready to fire, but we've got our stones in our hand. And if we've got stones in our hand, we can't pick up grace because we're too busy worrying about this stuff, those stones. See, our job is not to change people's hearts. Our job is to introduce them to the heart changer. Our job is not to accuse people, but rather to introduce people to Jesus. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He doesn't need any help. Are you going to be an accuser or an introducer? But see, it starts with us. Just like my story that I started out with, I think so many times we don't give ourselves grace, the grace that God's already poured out. We have to walk in it. It's time to stop hiding in your humanity and open yourself up to the grace of God. See, he is longing to flood you with grace. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, he's longing to flood you with grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And he just wants to hear you say back to him, Daddy, would you bring me another? See, you and I were made from dirt. We're dirt. That's all we are until God breathed grace into us, breathed life into us. We were born in a garden of grace. A garden is where things grow. Can, can you grow anything out of stone? No. You can't. You can grow things out of dirt, though. Second Peter says that God tells us he wants us to grow in grace. Things grow in a garden. Things grow in dirt. And God wants us to be pliable and moldable just like the dirt that we were created from, so he can grow some things in us. And if we're holding on to all this junk, he can't grow anything in us. These stones prevent growth, and I don't know what your stones are named. You're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit right now. But these stones are preventing the grace from, from getting into your life. You can't be the good soil that soaks up his grace. If you just got this, if you're just holding on to all these stones. And we're standing in the shadows and holding on to these stones, and our Creator is saying, Come back to the garden. I have grace for whatever stone, whatever the name of your stone is. I've got grace that covers it. I'll replace it with dirt, I'll replace it with grace. 
And then I can do something. I can grow something in your life. There's no accusers here. Just grace. So as you're holding onto those stones, I want you to spend some time just with you and Jesus. What do those stones represent in your life? What, what are those stones? What are, what's holding you back? You may not even realize it. My, the stone I had to drop yesterday, I didn't even realize it until I pressed into God. I didn't even realize I was holding on to that. It was something way in the past. And today, you're going to take your stones, identify them, and, and then you're going to come up here and you're going to drop them in these trash cans. And you're going to leave them at the foot of the cross. And then you're going to pick up a little thing of dirt. Grace. And you're going to bring that home and put it wherever you can see it. And remember the grace upon grace upon grace that was poured out for you. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no accusation. It's just Jesus and grace. I want you to fully press into the grace giver. Spend some time with Jesus right now as the band plays. What do those stones represent in your life? What do you need to throw away? What are you holding on to that is preventing you from grabbing the grace, that dirt that he wants to plant in your life? Maybe it's guilt. You're guilty about something. You feel guilty about something that happened a long time ago. God says, no, I'm not a God of guilt. I'm a God of grace. You drop that stone in the trash and you pick up my grace. Maybe it's bitterness that's in your heart. Is there someone, is there another person on this planet, an image bearer of God that you can't look in the eyes, that you would meet in the grocery store and you would turn the other way? Then you've got some issues. You're holding on to some stones. And whether you need to forgive them publicly or forgive yourself in your heart, you're holding on to something. You need to throw that trash away and pick up grace. God has forgiveness for you. He has grace for you. Maybe it's envy. We live in this materialistic society. We see the best of people's lives on, on, on social media. And our hearts can get envious of someone's house or a car or vacation. Maybe that's some of your stones. And you're caring more about stuff than your Savior. And you need to drop that trash. Drop those stones and pick up grace today. Maybe it's fear. Maybe you're afraid. And you can't shake it. You're dealing with the God of grace. You need to drop that stone of fear. God did not give you a spirit of fear. He did not give you a spirit of fear. If you have a fear problem, you need to, you need to read Psalm 91. Every time you get afraid, you read Psalm 91 over yourself, over your family. And you pray grace. And you drop that stone today. Fear is not from God. Maybe it's shame. Maybe you're ashamed of something that happened to you or that you did in the past. Today's your day. You're going to drop that stone. You're not going to pick it up again. Today is your day. Maybe it's anger. You've got an angry, anger problem. You serve a God of love, and you don't know how. that just wells up inside of you. You don't know how to get rid of this. Today's your day. You can, you can start fresh today and drop that stone. I'm not saying it's going to be all fixed today. 
You've got to keep receiving grace. You've got to keep walking under that waterfall and let the grace upon grace upon grace be poured out in your life. Holy Spirit, speak to these hearts right now. Speak to our hearts. Show us what these stones represent that we need to throw away, God. Maybe it's lust. You've got a lust problem. You need to throw that stone away. Get that in the trash. As you feel ready, feel free to come up here and drop your stones in the trash. Pick up some grace. Pick up some dirt. If you need to spend a moment in the corner, if you need to get on your knees, do whatever you need to do in this moment. If you need some prayer, just stay up here at the front. We've got people that are willing to pray pray with you, talk through situations with you. Everyone needs to drop a stone today. Maybe more than one. You need to throw that away. Get it to the foot of the cross and leave it there. Do not pick that garbage back up again. Let his grace just overwhelm you. Today is your day. Let his grace in. He is leaning down towards you. He is extending his kindness towards you. He molded you before you were even born. He called you out of his marvelous grace and then he breathed life into you, his spirit. You are his creation. He loves you so much and he just wants you to lean back towards him and say, Daddy, will you bring me another? Start getting up. Drop some stones. Let's go. Drop that shame. Drop that guilt. Drop that anger. Pick up grace. Receive his grace. He is an ocean of grace for you. We've walked down this pier today, and he's not going to force you to jump in. It's up to you. You've got to jump in the ocean of grace. It's available for you. Don't go away empty-handed. Pick up that dirt. Pick up that grace. That represents you before God breathed grace into you. He called you out before you were even born. He called you from his marvelous grace. Awesome. Keep leaning into him. He's never stopped leaning into you. He's never stopped extending his kindness into you. Get rid of that junk. And then when you fall tomorrow, fall into his grace once again. He's not going to stop. He's not going to stop his grace from flooding over you. It's grace upon grace upon grace. If you need some prayer, we'll be up here afterwards. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for speaking to us today. We've heard from heaven today, God. We've dropped some stones. We've dropped some junk at the foot of your cross at the edge of the garden. We've picked up grace. Thank you, God, for what it means. Thank you, God, for leaning towards us always, continually walking among your people, extending your kindness to us. Thank you for kneeling down and making us out of the dirt. May we always be moldable and pliable and able to have grace planted in our lives.
may we forgive ourselves first and then extend grace upon grace to others. Let's let your waterfall of grace flood into us and over us and splash out of us and cover us completely. When we want to retaliate, God, grace. When we want to be offended, God, grace. When anger rises up within us, grace. When we fall short and we well and we have, grace. When we feel shame, grace. When we feel guilt, grace. May we choose to walk in your garden of grace just the way you designed it to be. And may your grace just drip off of us and point to you, the grace giver. May we not be accusers, but rather introducers of Jesus to others. Thank you for changing us today. May we be different now than when we walked in. And we we always look to you and say, Daddy, can I have another one? Grace upon grace. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for coming. If you need prayer, we'll be right up here. Pray with you. Don't leave. If God is, if you need to drop another stone, if you need to stay another minute, don't leave yet. Deal with it. The Holy Spirit's prompting you, deal with it. Don't walk out of this building carrying stones that you should have dropped. Get it? Love you all. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.